the Girl Crush Podcast. Some theme music. She has so many funny lines right up Reese's alley. I love her even more. It's underrated. I had no idea. Fell in love with her performances in the 90s. Supreme. Clearly, she has guts. Whiskey teacups, also known as Sass. Full two cups of whiskey. It's also known as like a classic. Forgot how much I love this movie. I completely agree. This is exactly what we had in mind. So on point. So on point. Hello and welcome to the Girl Crush Podcast. I'm Allie. And I'm Anne. We love Reese Witherspoon. So this season, we watched all of her movies and ranked them. If you want to give us your thoughts, be sure to connect with us on Instagram at girlcrush underscore pod. And as always, be sure to rate and review. If you've been around, you know that we recently wrapped up season three, where we watched every single one of Reese Witherspoon's movies, all 41 of them. Mm. And as we prepare for season four, starring Kate Winslet, we want to bring you bonus content on all things Reese. So on today's episode, we'll be talking about where the crawdads sing. And even though Reese wasn't in the movie, she did produce it. So we thought we could could sneak this one in here, you know, through a loophole from our own rules. Exactly. (laughs) And we haven't really talked about it because we watched it separately and we were saving it up for this. Yeah, I'm excited. I love it. Yeah, me too. This movie is based off of the 2018 book by Delia Owens. And the movie was just released in theaters in July of 2022. And now it's available to rent on Amazon Prime. Highly recommend that you read the book and see the movie. I would recommend both. What about you? I think so as well. I think I have an opinion on which I liked better. Me too. We'll get to that. Okay. All right. All right. (laughs) But yeah, I I think you can go for both. Yeah. But if you haven't seen or read it yet, now's the time to pause and go do so because from here on out, there will be spoilers. Since this movie came out so recently and Reese was the producer rather than in it, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're more so just going to have a conversation about the book, the book versus the movie. We won't spend quite as much time recapping the entire plot, but I figured we should at least go through a brief synopsis. So want to take us away, Anne? Sure. So the movie kind of jumps around between the 1950s, which is Kaya, who's our lead character's childhood, and 1969, where an investigation is underway in the death of Chase Andrews, who is found dead at the bottom of a watchtower in the marsh. In the 50s, we meet a young girl, Kaya, who lives in the marshes of North Carolina. She's the youngest of her siblings. Her father is an abusive alcoholic, which prompts her mother to leave, and then one by one, her siblings also leave. She really struggles with feelings of abandonment and tries to connect with her father, but he also eventually leaves her alone at the age of seven, living in this house by herself. Cannot imagine. She's actually incredibly resourceful and manages to survive by digging up clams along the water's edge and selling them at a local store. And the store owner, his name is Jumpin, and he and his wife have a soft spot for Kaya. They help her out in small ways that they can with, you know, clothes and Mm -hmm. kind of sneaking her extra food, things like that. But other than that, the other people in town just know her as the Marsh Girl, and she becomes almost like a character or a monster to the townspeople. Mm -hmm. Kaya spends her days exploring nature. She has a love for different plants and animals and shells. And one local boy who also has similar affinity for the marsh, his name is Tate. Mm -hmm. He occasionally played with her and her siblings when they were little, but he starts to show up again, leave her gifts like feathers for her nearby. He also just has this great love of nature and kind of connects with her over that. So they develop a friendship. And over the years, he teaches her to read and write, which helps her to document her findings in nature. She's like a very gifted artist. Mm -hmm. She never formally went to school. The one time she tried, the kids made fun of her and she left. Oh, horrible. Tate also gives her a list of publishers and encourages her to submit her findings and her illustrations for publication. Mm -hmm. So kind of throughout this time of like their teenage-ness, they also develop a romantic relationship. And Tate leaves her college 
promises to return on the 4th of July, but she waits at the meeting spot. He never comes. He never writes, like, to tell her why, and she's understandably heartbroken. Mm. So she forces herself to try to get over Tate, and she kind of starts to resent him because he abandoned her just like everyone Mm -hmm. else. Just like everyone else. Ugh, horrible. And he knew she was abandoned by everyone else. I know. Ugh, Tate. Soon after, she begins a relationship with the high school quarterback, Chase Andrews. He's like the popular kid at school, but she's obviously so extremely far removed from his school life, but he's like intrigued by her. Yeah. And even goes as far to tell her that they'll get married. And so she makes him this like shell necklace that he wears everywhere. Mm Mm-hmm. After his first year of college, Tate returns and shows up wanting to restart his relationship with Kaya. And he's like, I just needed to explore what else was out in the world. And, you know, he didn't think that Kaya would ever leave the marsh and he wasn't sure that's what he wanted. Mm -hmm. But now he's convinced he was wrong. He wants to come home and and this is like where he wants to be with her. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Kaya's work has been published and she's been able to make some money and take legal ownership of her home and the land that her family has lived on, which provides some security for herself. Mm Mm-hmm. At some point, like, she goes into town occasionally for food or right. whatever, but she runs into Chase in town, finds out he is engaged what? to a girl from school, and she is obviously, again, her feelings are super hurt. Of course. <laughs> and she breaks up with him, and he's upset that she broke up with him and still tries to spend time with her, but she's like, no, what, what, are, what are you doing? Yeah, like, you're literally engaged. So Chase starts to hit her, then tries to rape her, but Kaya manages to get away, says she'll kill him if he ever comes after her again. He has turned, definitely has this aggressive side that she's a little fearful of. Oh, yeah. Right. Because she goes home and finds that her place is trashed and assumes, of course, that it was him. Right. Like, it's just escalating. Yeah. Who else would it be? I think he viewed her as, like, a simple woman who's, like, his property, essentially. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. It's horrible. We flash forward to when Kaya is being tried for Chase's murder. So he's the one who dies she's accused of luring him to the watchtower and pushing him off the edge and the suspicion that is surrounding her is because the shell necklace she gave him was not on his body when he was found and his mother said he wore it every day and around the time of chase's death kaya met with her book publisher in a nearby city which the prosecutors are saying was a cover story or a fake alibi for when she would have killed chase mm-hmm. that like oh she must have come back in the middle of the night and killed him and gone back and like no one knew that she was gone right and they like created the time frame that it could have happened and the bus she would have had to take, but it was like a really short window Mm -hmm. that she could have done it. So pretty much all the townspeople assume she's guilty, but it does seem unlikely and far-fetched that she would have been able to kill him given the timing of her meetings. Tate, one of her brothers, Jody, who she reconnected with during this time, and Jumpin' and his wife are pretty much the only ones who support Kaya throughout this. However, she is found not guilty due to lack of sufficient evidence. So Kaya and Tate rekindle their romance. They get married. They grow old together on the marsh. And, you know, one day we see Kaya as an old woman. She dies peacefully in her boat. And as Tate goes through her things, he finds the seashell necklace in an old book of hers, Mm. confirming that she really did kill Chase. So Tate just throws the shells in the marsh to bury the evidence. And that's the end of the movie. Oh, okay. So the movie has some mixed reviews Mm -hmm. between critics and audience. Critics on Rotten Tomatoes give it a 34%, but the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is 97%. Very different. Very different, which I think is pretty impressive because it's not been out that long. So I guess maybe the people who went to go see it are the people who are more likely to have liked it. So maybe the score will come down over time, I guess. But... Do we want to get into, did you like the movie? Do you want to say that much? Or do we want to get right into book versus movie? What are you thinking? 
I here here's the thing I loved about this movie. I thought the set design was incredible. Mm-hmm. Delia Owens in the book paints such a clear picture. I thought they nailed it. It was exactly as I imagined. Yes, it was beautiful, and it was so accurate to the point that I was actually a little perturbed or like annoyed because in my imagination the house doesn't face the marsh in my imagination the house like faced the driveway and I was like that one detail I was like (laughs) I was like well that's facing the wrong way because everything else was like exactly as I imagined it like it was so perfect so I thought they did an incredible job transforming her writing into the actual set yes agreed and I thought it just looked beautiful to look at like they made the marsh look so pretty and all that sort of stuff I thought it was really cool what were some differences between the book versus the movie Okay, so a couple main differences. The first being that the movie begins with Kaya being pursued by the police. So the movie begins more so in the drama of the trial and the murder investigation and then goes back to her childhood, whereas the book starts from her childhood and the investigation doesn't come until partway through the book. So it's almost like for the movie, they had to choose a portion of the book that they were going to focus on because obviously it's it's a movie. Mm -hmm. And so that was a big difference in the way that it was set up. The whole movie is like framed around the investigation. And the other thing is in the movie, they introduced a voiceover by Kaya. So it was more told in the first person, whereas the book is told from a third person, like overall view. Yeah. Which I think is just kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. I see why they did it. Because again, like you can't capture quite everything in a movie like the way you can in a book. Yeah. And I think my biggest complaint about the difference between the book and the movie is to that point. Like the book, half of it is really about Kaya like raising herself. Yes. And for me, her resourcefulness, her education from Tate, and just like that part of her life, Mm. that to me was like the best part of that book. Like I loved it. Yes. And I feel like it got the montage treatment here. Yeah. And I was disappointed by that. And I think it also kind of created this sense of imbalance because I also felt like in the movie, which this is to be expected, but I thought they played up the intimacy portions between Mm. Kaya and Tate and Chase like way more than in the book. And while her romantic relationships are definitely a big plot point in the book, obviously like it leads to the whole, you know, escalation of things. It felt like it was a little bit too much of a focus in the movie for me. And Mm. I think it's just maybe because of that imbalance, like because we lost so much of seeing how Kaya really came up and became the person that she becomes. Yes. Yeah, you lose a little bit of that coming of age story that is there in the book because you're you're watching so much of it happen in the book. Whereas in the movie, you're right, they don't give you as much of that lead up. And I think they bring you along more in the book to why she is attracted to Tate and then why she's attracted to Chase, who's so different. And they sort of give you that a little bit more in the book you're right, in the movie, they just kind of like throw it out there and then really focus on the intimate moments. Yeah. Rather than like why she felt that way. And I feel like in that sense, I agree with the critics more because the critic Mm. complaints about it was that the story felt a little shallow compared to the book. And Mm. some of the feedback like of the reviews I was reading was like, you know, really this being rated PG-13 versus being rated R, it kind of buffed out the raw and difficult nature of her life into something that was like a little too clean, a little too glossy, Mm -hmm. considering like the actual, you know, probable reality of her situation. Right. And I agree with that. I thought the cinematography was gorgeous. Yeah, I think that's fair. But I agree that it felt a little like 
I don't know, a little like too buttoned up almost, not raw enough. Yeah. Yeah. It almost feels like the movie was primarily about the investigation and her versus like the townspeople. And obviously like the love story is entwined in that. Whereas the book is a lot more holistic about her entire life mm-hmm. and her entire story and her entire coming of age. Yeah. Hmm. What did you think? I mean, do you do you agree more with the critics or do you agree more with the audience score? I think I'm like middle of the pack. Yeah. I I see the point of the critics' comments, but I don't know that I would have necessarily thought of them on my own. I So I think I landed a little bit more with the audience. I really liked it and thought it was well done. And I think I was in a position where I was like, well, of course they can't represent everything in the movie. So of course they picked the most dramatic parts. Of course they picked the big climax of the investigation and, and the trial to focus on. So I think I accepted that and I was good with it. And maybe because of the way that they brought it to life did reflect how I imagined it as far as what it would look like and stuff like that. That, that part was so satisfying that I was okay with it just focusing on a smaller part of the story. Mm-hmm. But I don't disagree with I don't disagree with what you're saying or what the critics said. I think I'm just okay with it, you know. Yeah, I mean, like I immediately felt like that watching the movie, where I was like, "Oh man, they really skipped like my favorite part," and I feel like the intimacy was just like way overblown. Yeah, yeah. You know, compared to how it is in the book. Right. Those were like my two probably biggest things. Yeah. Yeah. There were a couple other like small things that were different in the book and the movie, but I don't think it affected things as much, like the timing of her journal publications. In the movie, it happens before Tate leaves for college, but in the book, it happens after he comes back, and it's something that they, like, do together after he comes back that kind of brings them closer again. Mm-hmm. And in the book, Kaya quotes poetry by this local poet, Amanda Hamilton, and at the end of the book, when Tate finds the shell necklace, he also learns that Kaya was Amanda Hamilton this whole time, and the poetry is all about mating in the wild and survival instincts and stuff like that. And in the book, it was just a really cool twist that she was also that poet. But in the movie, that part was like completely left out. Yeah. Yeah. So the cast for this movie, the three main characters, we have Kaya, Tate, and Chase. Mm -hmm. So Kaya was played by Daisy Edgar Jones. I actually have not seen her in anything before, but she is in two things I have on my watch list, which is Normal People, which is a TV show from a couple years ago, and Under the Banner of Heaven, which is a limited series. So to me, like, coming into this, I was like, I have no idea who this person is. Like, I thought she yeah, was a fresh, yeah. like, fresh actress, and she's not. Totally. Yeah. How do you think she did? I thought she did a great job. Like, I thought they represented her really well. Like, she looked like how I would probably imagine her to look. Yeah. I thought, you know, overall, everyone was very attractive, of course. <laughs> like, like <laughs> I don't know. Like, Which is probably not, like, the most realistic for, like, 1950s marshes of North Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think that's again like the the like it's a little buffed out, you know, like would yeah, she yeah. really look that good? I don't know. Right, right. Like is she really that beautiful? <laughs> yeah. I also just like throughout I'm like, don't marshes have like alligators and stuff? <laughs> and they're just really dipping their hands in this water. <laughs> Like, who knows what's lurking beneath? It wouldn't be a girl crush episode if we did not talk about what's underneath the water. <laughs> Like, that made me very uncomfortable. You're like, get out, get out, get out. When she dives into the marsh, I'm like, absolutely not. Disgusting. That's disgusting. If nothing else, the water just has to be nasty. Nasty. So gross. No, thank you. Anyway, have you seen her in anything before? 
No, I hadn't, but I, I agree. I think she did a really good job. And I think she brought Kaya to life in a way that was so how I imagined it. Like mm-hmm. her persona, the way that she interacted with people I thought was really good. Yeah. And I feel like all the critics, you know, even those who, who were very critical of the movie yeah, gave her high praise. They yes. were like, she did an amazing job. Mm-hmm. And Reese, when she saw her audition, knew right away that Daisy Edgar Jones had to play Kaya. Mm-hmm. Apparently she like nailed the Southern accent in the audition, which was really important to Reese to have that represented there. So it was like, truly building out the world and stuff like that, which I thought was kind of cool to read. Mm -hmm. So then we have Taylor John Smith, who plays Tate. Hilariously, he's in a 2016 Cruel Intentions TV movie (laughs) where they're picking up 16 years after the death of Ryan Phillippe's character and where the sister, Catherine... Sarah Michelle Gellar reprises her role, manipulates her nephew to gain control of the family business, and Taylor John Smith plays the nephew. Obviously, Reese did not reprise her role. Yes. <laughs> it was recast to Kate Levering, who is one of the leads from the Drop Dead Diva show, which I've never watched before, but that was like her top build experience. But I was like, how random. <laughs> That's so funny. I love too, like, he told Reese that, and I think she like didn't even know that that TV movie was made. <laughs> They, like, didn't even contact. They were like, she's not going to go for this. No way. (laughs) That's so funny. Did you like him as Tate? I did. I'm honestly, my memory, I think Tate and Chase Andrews look a bit too similar because I'm having trouble recalling which one's which, to be honest. I know. I just just brought them up on Google because I was like, wait, which one is which to make sure I'm thinking of the right thing. I agree. They do kind of look similar. I wonder if they kind of did that on purpose. Even though it seems weird, I would have, like, in my head, they looked different. Yeah. Because they are very different characters. Right, right. Yeah, I thought they looked a little too similar. Yeah, but it didn't, like, ruin it for me or anything, you know? Yeah. I felt like Kaya is the one they had to nail as far as, like, what she looked like, what her mannerisms were like, and things like that. Yeah. But I thought I thought he did well. Yeah. And then um, Harris Dickinson plays Chase Andrews. He's been in a few movies I've seen. Um, he was in The King's Man, which is a sequel to The King's Men, mm-hmm. which I realize saying that out loud may not sound like there's a different in that word, but it is. And then he also plays Prince Philip in the Maleficent sequel, but that's all I really knew him, knew him from. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And, which I haven't seen Maleficent. I did see Kingsman, but I don't really remember him in that. So, but again, I thought he did a good job. Yeah, I thought so too. I thought he captured the horrificness of Chase Andrews pretty well. Yes. Yeah. Which is hard to watch. Very. So let's talk a little bit about Reese's involvement in this. She came to produce this because actually it was first a selection in her book club. So she has Reese's Book Club. It's an amazing thing that she's able to do as far as bringing authors to the spotlight. And she's selected so many books that have become so popular. And this is one of them that kind of thrust the book into popularity. But she wanted to produce this like pretty much right away. She saw the potential of this becoming a movie. Mm -hmm. She actually said she wanted to play Kaya, but she knew she was too old. But she just really was excited about the character. And she said that when she connects with a character like that and knows she wants to play them, then she also knows what to do to bring the movie to life. So that's why she bought the rights. And she bought the rights in 2018, which is the same year the book came out. Yeah, she really loved the idea of being your own hero and kind of the story Mm. around Kaya's journey and upbringing. And ultimately, at the end of the day, Kaya depends on Kaya. Like, she learns that's the way she's going to survive. So the fact that she saves herself and not only that, but goes on to be very successful. Yeah. Like finds a path for success, which is really interesting. And she said, you know, like Reese, I think obviously she is putting out some 
amazing content like over the past several years. Oh, yeah. But a lot of that journey has been her turning to producing as well. Yes. And we just recently posted in our stories an interview she did with Adam Grant. Yes. Podcast episode. And she kind of talks about this journey as well. So definitely recommend that interview if you haven't listened to it. It's such a good interview. It's so good. She was saying like there's a period of time where she wasn't as turned on creatively. And so much of that had to do with the fact that really poorly written like 2D female characters were being put in front of her and she was like recognizing that that was a consequence of you know female writers and producers and directors not having more of a space to create right right so she was like this cannot be the only choices of stories to tell like it's just not possible right so she wanted to become more involved and take ownerships of the choices that she was making as an artist And a lot of what she's been doing with Hello Sunshine is optioning books because she's like, again, this is something she goes into with her interview with Adam Grant. She's like, authors put in years of work. Oh, yeah. Developing their characters and the background stories and like all this meat that goes around their books. It's such good source material to like turn it into a movie or TV show or whatever. Yeah. So now she's really focused on the importance of the films and the TV shows and just the art that she's putting into the world represent an extension of who she is. She wants to tell important stories that can change people's lives or to make an impact on them. Yes. I love that. I love everything she has to say about like why she does what movies she does, whether she's in them or producing them or whatever the case might be, or the books that she wants to spotlight. I love that so much. It's like she's found her sort of purpose in what she wants to do. And I think that's such a cool thing because I think a lot of times people in entertainment, it's like maybe discounted how meaningful their work is. Like, oh, they're just here to bring us entertainment when in reality, like she's doing so much more than that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. It's so great. And I'm I'm just so excited to see what else she creates. Yes. And one other thing I loved in that interview that she did was she talked about how if you're in a field and you feel like your story is not well represented or you think other story is not well represented, she talks about how you it almost becomes a responsibility for you to help bring those stories to the forefront, which I think is a really cool way to think about things too. It's like, yeah, you recognize that and then let's work to change it and let's actually do the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's a great example of that. Agreed. So do you think that the book being in Reese's Book Club is what thrust it into the spotlight and made it into such a sensation? Or like, why do you think this book resonated with so many people? Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. And Delia Owens, I think, credits her success to Reese for picking it for a book club, for optioning it for a movie, like for everything. And I'm like, can you imagine having that kind of leverage? No. Like Reese has talked about this in interviews before where she's like, I recognize that my book club changes those authors' lives. Like I pick a book and like it becomes a bestseller. And I'm like, yes. Oh my gosh. (laughs) The power that you have. The power. I mean, really. It's wild. It is crazy. And it's become such a successful book. So it was released in 2018. In 2019, it smashed all kinds of awards or whatever. So it had more print copies in 2019 than any other adult title, fiction or nonfiction. It also was the number one for 2019 Amazon's list of most sold books in fiction. It was New York Times bestseller in 2019 and 2020. Like, crazy success. It is wild. And I don't know, like, I mean, obviously also some of that success comes from people actually reading it and then spreading it by word of mouth. Sure. Like it has to be a good book too. It has to be a good book. Yeah. I mean, so people read it and connected with Kaya and connected with Delia Owens' imagery and writing. I mean, like, obviously much of that success is credited to Delia for writing a great book. Right. But the launch pad of of Reese's Book Club and that influence is like really 
far-reaching and incredible. Yes. It allowed the book to get the reach that it needed in order to gain the popularity. Yeah, that exposure. Yes, exactly. And this, interestingly, is Delia Owens' first work of fiction. So she wrote it in her 70s, and they weren't anticipating a huge release. Her publisher published an initial run of 28,000 hardcover copies. So that was in 2018. By July of 2022, it has sold over 15 million copies, making it one of the best-selling books of all time. That's crazy. So crazy. Can you imagine? She's probably like, this is just something I'm doing for fun, like in retirement. Like, what? Yeah. Wow. And she has kind of an interesting story, Delia Owens. What, What about her? So she grew up in Georgia, studied zoology and animal behavior. She always said she was interested in writing, um, but she went the science route. And she's published multiple professional journals on animal behavior and like ecology and stuff like that. I was really curious to read about that because I wonder if that's why she wrote Kaya the way that she did, like being so interested in the world around her. Yeah. She also worked conservation efforts in Africa. She was like in Africa for a few years. She works on conservation efforts for bears in the United States. She co-founded the Owens Foundation for Wildlife Conservation in Georgia. And she's also written a few memoirs. So very successful in the science world, which is kind of cool to read. Hmm. And kind of interesting, there's like a little bit of drama behind Delia Owens in a murder suspicion. What? Have you heard this? No. Okay. It's kind of juicy gossip, and I feel like we have to at least bring it up, even though I think it's not. I don't know. Let's see what you think. Okay. So she was in Zambia working conservation efforts. You know, she loves animals. Her family is with her. They're like all working really hard on these conservation efforts. And her husband and stepson were accused of shooting and killing an animal poacher. Yeah. Like there's this shoot to kill mentality for animal poachers. Like obviously it's not widely accepted, but there's a subset of people who believe that that's okay. And her husband and stepson were accused of that. They denied it. No charges were ever brought, but she's considered by Zambian officials as a potential witness to the events. So there's still an open case on this. It was never solved. It was in the media in the 90s, actually. There was like kind of a, an expose on it, I guess. And when the book became popular and when the movie came out, people like tried to bring it back up. But really, I think they were using it as clickbait. Like they were like basically saying Delia Owens like wrote Kaya's murder trial based on her own murder accusation. And really, it's not the murder accusation has nothing to do with her. Like she wasn't it was her husband and her stepson who she is now divorced from. So I don't know. Take of that what you will. I think people used it for clickbait, but I thought we at least had to bring it up. A far off place, anyone? Doesn't that sound like the 90s Disney movie that (laughs) restars in? Full circle. Full circle. Weirdly, I think that, I think we've brought up that movie, like called it back in multiple episodes. (laughs) What? (laughs) We have. But that's what that, like immediately, that's where my my mind went. Isn't that weird? Yes. Interesting. I would agree. I think that's, I mean, bringing it back up is obviously clickbait if the case never went anywhere. And yeah. she herself is not accused of doing, I mean, I guess if you're a witness and you're withholding information, like you're, what a barrier to justice or whatever, but. I don't know. Some people were making parallels between like in Where the Crawdads Sing, you could say that was a morally justified killing of Chase Andrews. And like some people might make the case that it's a morally justified killing to kill a poacher. People were trying to make the connection. Interesting. I think it's a little bit of a stretch personally, but. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Okay, but we can't we can't leave the episode without bringing up the song that plays at the in the credits. Oh yes, Taylor Swift, Carolina. Uh, she wrote this song after she read the book. 
before even knowing that she was going to write the song for the movie. She was just inspired to write the song. Oh, I love it. She was, I think she was working on her folklore album at the time. Yes, and it definitely yeah. has that vibe. Totally. I mean, obviously we know Reese read this book, but is, is it weird to you? I don't know. When I think about movies, TV shows, books, is it weird to you to think like, <laughs> yes, me and this very famous person <laughs> have consumed the same thing? Like, yes, like media content. And she was moved by it like we were. <laughs> yes. Like Taylor Swift sat on her couch at home and freaking read that book just yes. like we did. And I'm like, it's like a star. They're just like us. They they read and watch TV. Like, but when I think about it to the level of I'm like, oh my God, we both read that book. I mean, yeah. it's just like, it's such a dumb thing to like make No, my, I totally know what you mean. My like neurons can't fire correctly when I think about it. For some Are you reason. Ever also like, like when did she when did she have time to read that book? Right? Like, well, it's like the same thing when I found out she loves Law and Order SVU. Like, she named her cats after Law and Order SVU characters. It's, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it, it is that weird thing of, oh, you are just like a regular person, even though you're contributing to some of the most like influential content that people are consuming right now. You also like, consu- I mean, it makes sense, but it yeah. is so weird. <laughs> it is very, like, I don't know why. I, I, I don't know. It, it hits different from like seeing Carrie Underwood in the grocery store, like in a tabloid <laughs> photo, you know, I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Though sometimes I will say like, um, I follow, um, like Chrissy Teigen and John Legend on Instagram. This is such a weird mm-hmm. rabbit hole, but I follow them on Instagram and I, Chrissy Teigen had some like story where they were like checking out books from the library. And I'm like, you go to a library? Like, uh, yes. Like you guys are <laughs> multi-millionaires. I love that they do though. I know. I, I love it. Do you think it's like a private library specifically for famous people? You know what I mean? I don't, I just always wonder how much of this, how much can they go out into the regular world? I don't know. No, I I mean. What level of fame do you have to have to where you like couldn't or wouldn't go? You know what I mean? I mean like Taylor Swift doesn't go in public very often. No. Like. No. Like someone bought that book and brought it to her, sent it to her. She didn't go out. I literally, do you know what I thought? There were like recently photos of her and her boyfriend or whatever going shopping in New York. And it was like a rare photo opportunity of them. Right. And I was just thinking like, do you order things? Like, obviously they're ordering things. Yeah. Yeah. But you're, I am assuming ordering under a pseudonym, right? Like, so that your Amazon guy doesn't, doesn't know that he's like, I would assume so. I would assume, yeah. Something to Taylor Swift. Like, she probably has a P.O. box even that then her, like, assistant might go pick it up from a P.O. box and bring it to her. I don't know. I'm like, how isolating. Yeah, it's crazy. To have to order things to your house, not out of convenience, but out of, like, fear, essentially. Yes, exactly. That's crazy. I will say, when Kale was still working at the studio, he worked with someone who I can't name, but what used to be especially famous like 10 years ago she was very well known yes agree now she's not as well known like people who are younger now like might not know who she is but she's she was working on a project and I provided something from my work for her project so Kale like made this connection and so we got her contact information and I thought it was going to be like through an assistant or like you know whatever but it was literally like her personal email address (laughs) which was just like her first name last name at (laughs) gmail.com which seems so obvious I was like is this for real like like if you email taylorswift at gmail.com is she gonna get it I would imagine not, but I don't know. 
but maybe. you know it's so obvious that like maybe yeah now everybody's just gonna go email like taylor swift at gmail.com and see if it works it was not taylor swift by the way <laughs> that wasn't obvious enough <laughs> i would also not classify her as not currently relevant not but <laughs> <laughs> so true Anyway, okay, bringing it back to our girl crushes. Yes, yes. If Reese, Jen, Sandy, Kate Winslet were in this movie, mm. what characters would you cast them as? I kind of struggle with this question because there's not a ton of characters in the movie, but I have some thoughts. Yeah, there's not a ton. Okay, let me give it some thought. And we'll say like at any age of their careers. Oh, okay. I like that. Not currently. I think that opens yes. a little more opportunity. Right. Um, Sandy, I think, would play her mom, Kaya's mom. That's the first one that came to mind. Any thoughts? I thought younger Sandy and younger Kate could play Kaya. Mm. And then I thought inversely at their current age, they could have played her her mom. Okay. Yeah. I also, not a girl crush, but I think Laura Dern would be really good as her mom as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I could see Kate as young Kaya. Yeah. I almost wish we could have seen, you know, like Sandra is different with our girl crushes because she put in a ton of time in tiny roles when she was younger and small movies. So I feel like we didn't get a good sense of like what her potential was as a, as a super young actress versus like Reese or Kate. You see them very young in main roles. Mm-hmm. So it's like a little bit easier for me to imagine. Yeah. And then Reese and Jen, I thought, probably would have been, like, more in the role of Chase Andrews' fiancé or something like that. That's what I was thinking for Reese. Agreed. I have a hard time placing Jen in this movie. Me too. Me too. I don't see it. It's just very different from her genres. Yeah, if I'm honest, I don't see her in this movie as much. No, but I, I could put her, like, in that group of the high school girls. Yeah, yeah, if, if she were to go anywhere. Yeah. Actually... Reese as Chase Andrews' mom. Ooh, I forgot about her. I could see that. I was kind of surprised that for how much she loved it, that she did not even cameo at all in this movie. Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. she was 100% on the producing side. Right, right. Which is interesting. Yeah. I would have been like, put me in, coach. I'm putting myself in as the coach. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so any other thoughts, or should we go to our final opinion? Let's do our final opinion. Okay, final opinion. Did you like the book or movie better? I like the book better. Me too. Which I almost always say anyway. So it's like nothing yes. against the movie. Yes. No. I just think the richness of detail in the story in a book is... is It's unmatched. It's unmatched. It's always better told. A hundred percent. Because it, it has the privilege of, of being able to do that. Yes. You have time to have whole descriptive paragraphs and bring it to life in that way. Yeah. I almost always like the book better. I'm I'm with you. But okay, I was getting the sense though when you were talking about the movie, how much did you like or dislike the movie? Like would you say you liked it or would you say you disliked it? I would say I liked it, but I was dis- I was a little disappointed. Okay. Got it. Got it. Like got it. it was it was fine. I saw it like we, we both saw it in the in the theaters. It was a good movie to see in the theaters like had had a good time, but I was like, there were points in it when I, where I was immediately like, oh man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. What about you? I would say I liked it. Yeah. But I definitely liked the book better. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So I still think if you love the book, like I, I do think it's worth watching, but probably good to go into it with the mindset of, of course, it's not going to be as good as the book. Yeah. But I think you should always go into a movie that's made off of a book with that mindset. Exactly. Exactly. I'm really excited because I think Reese is also producing The Last Thing He Told Me, which was another one of her Mm. book club picks, and Jennifer Garner is starting in it. 
but I believe that I am like almost certain they're doing it as a series. Oh, okay. Limited series instead of a movie. Ooh, I like the sound of that. I know. I'm excited for that. I I love limited series. I just think me too. Especially if you're optioning from a book, you are just able to be more detailed and actually yes. cover all the ground that you're trying to cover. Yeah. I feel like we've said that a couple times. We're like, maybe this movie would have been better if it could have, it needed a little more time. Yeah. So I'm really excited for that. Yes. Interestingly, I feel like, I feel like in general content is going more that direction, like less movies and more series. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's because people want more meat with what you can get in a series or if it's because attention t- spans are shorter and so people want it in smaller snippets. But I definitely think think there's like there's way more series now that people are interested in than there used to be. I yeah, I agree with that. I don't know. You know, I've like over the past year and a half started reading a lot more again. Mm-hmm. Like I used to be a really avid reader and then I kind of trailed off and then like I've really gotten back into it. Yeah. And I do find that I am like less engaged or less impressed with movies, which is kind of funny because that's like literally the whole premise of our podcast. <laughs> but I don't find myself outside of our podcast stuff like really wanting to watch movies. Right. And even some TV shows, I'm like, uh, it's just like isn't doing it for me because that richness of detail that comes from a book or like your yeah. imagination or whatever. So I'm down for like the limited series trend. Yes. Because I think that's what I more often enjoy. Yeah. I don't like when they take something that like existed in one state and then they like try to do seasons of it. Mm-hmm. I'm like... Just cover the ground you're trying to, like, you don't need to do more. Just let yeah, it be. Find, there's other stories you could find. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Anywho. Okay. As always, thanks for listening to this very special episode of Girl Crush Podcast. Let us know your thoughts on where the crawdads sing. You can find us on Instagram at girlcrush underscore pod or on our website at girlcrushpodcast.com or support us between seasons as we prep for Kate Winslet by going to buymeacoffee.com slash girlcrushpod. Be sure to check out season three where we reviewed all 41 Reese Witherspoon movies and stay tuned for more bonus content in season four coming in 2023. Bye. Bye.